Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Mitz. Today, we are finishing up our Kansas football opponent season previews. Uh, we are, if I do say so myself, saving the best for last. Uh, welcoming part brand new part of the network. Really excited to have him on. Brandon Phoenix of the Raspy Voice Kids Podcast. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm very grateful that you invited me on. I love talking West Virginia. It's great to be a part of the 1012 network, and uh, this is going to be fun. Let's buckle up and go for a ride. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, I say best for last because I used to live in Virginia. I'm now, now back in the Kansas City area. I've actually been up to Morgantown for a couple football games when I lived out there, and it was absolutely fantastic. I absolutely love the West Virginia fan base. So I really, I really am enjoying the opportunity to talk with a West Virginia fan, you know, someone who knows the West Virginia program, and actually, you know, I, I – yeah, like, I, I, I have a hard time getting a good West Virginia guest that can actually talk some good West Virginia football. So I am, I am really excited to have you on. Brandon, to start us out, last year obviously was a really weird year with all the COVID stuff. Um, but we, for the most part, got in a full season. What did we learn about the West Virginia Mountaineers and specifically Neil Brown and kind of what his system does and, and how well it's all coming together? Well, Neil Brown's motto is trust the climb. And... He started out five and seven his first year, six and four last year, not including the bowl win. We learned that the guy can make adjustments and that there really is growth. And while they have that model, trust the climb, there's realistic reasons to trust that climb. Uh, I feel like more than anything last year, we saw that Jordan Leslie can coach a defense. Him and Jamal Day did a great job, but Jordan Leslie stays on. He's retained um, and he knows what he's doing. He knows how to put people in places to be successful. Uh, we learned that there's still a lot of room to grow. So more than anything, I think there's still a lot of room to grow. For most West, West Virginia fans, that's what we're looking at. Yeah, definitely. I mean, most of the teams in the Big 12 definitely have a lot that they needed to build on. Um, last year, you know, was a really good defensive year for West Virginia. 
having the Stills brothers especially, like kind of highlighting that defense. But the offense kind of went away at times. Um, how much of that, and, and, and we'll kind of jump into the offense here at this point uh, for, for what's happening for this year, but Jared Dagey, you know, was the guy for the most part last year um, and is expected, from, from what I know anyway, to be the quarterback for them this year. Are you, are you expecting him to take that next step forward? And, like, what, what do you think is going to be the biggest issue for him going into the year? If he's not the starting quarterback, something has gone terribly wrong. So that's the full expectation is for Jared Dickey to be under center or in the shotgun uh, this coming season. He's done a lot of the work. According to the receivers, according to the coaches, he's done all the things you want to hear out of a quarterback. A lot of off-season private workouts between him and his receivers. He's transformed his body fat percentage from 20% down to 10% without losing weight. Oh, my gosh. That's 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 crazy. Can you imagine if I could do that right now? Like, Oh, I know. 21, 22, you would do that. You can't do that in a year at this point in life. Uh, But he's done that. And so they say that he's worked really hard on his pocket presence, awareness. But truth be told, I think a lot of his problem and a lot of the problems of the offense were dropped balls. So Jared Dagey, he looked worse than he actually was because of how many balls were dropped. There could have been first downs. It could have been touchdowns. That changes the whole complexion of a game. Yeah, which is fair. I mean, I, I think that there were especially a few teams last year that either it wasn't the quarterback that was the issue that made the quarterback look bad. It was some other aspect, whether it was offensive line or receiving core. It sounds like for West Virginia that the receiving core was more of the issue. How do you expect that to change this year? Who Who is new coming in or who has taken a step forward from what you can tell that's going to make that a little bit easier for Deggie this year? Well, the issues with the receivers was never about their talent or ability. They could get open. They could create separation. They could beat press coverage. Um, they did the things you wanted to see them do, except catch the, catch ball. the football. <laughs> and that's a really, I mean, obviously that's the most important part. You do all those other things. It doesn't matter if you can't catch the football. So the, the interesting thing about it, it wasn't just one or two guys. It was the entire receiving core. So that speaks, in my opinion, to a psychological issue and a confidence issue that I think has been resolved. We won't know until they step on the field. I just did our, our podcast today. It'll, it'll be out tomorrow, and we are not sold on the receivers, but we're kind of excited about the receivers, if that makes any sense. And while Jared Nagy wasn't perfect, his deep ball wasn't very good. He was short or overthrown. He wasn't real accurate. Um, overall, he's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He's not a game-changing quarterback, but he's a good quarterback. And with the improvements we've seen in the receivers as far as bulking their bodies up, increasing their speed, and just regaining some of that confidence they may have lost, uh, I think they're going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, so so talking about the receivers, and, and part of this might just be me being unfamiliar with West Virginia, but th- there isn't a name that's on the roster, from what I can tell, that really jumps out to me as, like, this is going to be a go-to receiver, or this is going to be a guy that most Big 12 fans are going to know by the end of the year. Is there someone that you're expecting to break out this year in particular? Winston Wright is on the Paul Horning watch list, and he's got wheels. He returned a kick for a touchdown against Baylor. He caught a very – he made a great catch in a long run against Oklahoma State for a touchdown. Winston Wright, in my opinion, is going to be the security blanket. He's going to be the game breaker. He's going to be the game changer for West Virginia. Bryce Ford Wheaton, they're expecting him to be the number one guy to really make a difference um, and to come into his own. So we'll see if that happens. The guy I like who's not even running with the ones yet is named Sam James. And he, he has the most receiving yards in the history of West Virginia football for a freshman. And he lost his Dang. confidence. 
He lost his confidence. He did not have a great sophomore campaign. So we're looking to see, will he be able to regain some of that momentum he had early on in his career? But if you ask me for just one guy, it's got to be Winston Wright. He calls himself Jet Life or Showtime Wright. Yeah, yeah. With a nickname like that, you know, you really do expect him to kind of jump in there and, and actually show what he's made of. So, um, he, he better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially if that was a nickname that he gave himself. <laughs> So it's always a gamble giving yourself a nickname. Oh, I know. I know. That's why, like, I, I, I played when I was in junior high and high school and there was a, a group of people that decided that they wanted to give themselves nicknames. And we were just like, nope, don't do it. You really don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, every single one of them, the nickname they gave themselves, we were all using it like sarcastically by the end of the year because they didn't live up to it. So, <laughs> but great, yeah, man, I had a, go ahead. I had a cousin who he did the same thing. So I said, we're going to call you all-star. I was like, that way people will think that we think you're great, but you'll know that we know that you think you're great. And it's stuck with them all these years. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's that's usually the way it works. Like the one that actually sticks is the one that someone else gives you because yeah, you definitely didn't didn't give that to yourself because it, it just never works that way. So all right. Um Kansas fans will know the name Letty Brown because of what he did to Kansas last year. <laughs> um but, you know, I was looking through kind of what he did throughout the rest of the year, and I don't know if it was kind of other areas falling off a little bit or him just being inconsistent. Are you expecting him to to be the main running back on this roster? And and, and how much of a step forward do you think he's, he's going to be able to take this year? He'll definitely be the guy. He's the lead horse. He's going to be the workhorse. They want to take some pressure off of him, so he may not be able to duplicate what he did last year because they're going to spread carries around, and they're expecting the receiving – the passing game to be better. What helps him is the offensive line is significantly better, in my opinion. Doug Nestor, who was a four- or five-star, depending on what service you were looking at, offensive lineman coming out of the state of West Virginia two years ago, went to Virginia Tech instead of coming to us, transferred to WVU this year. Well, that helps. He's in about, that helps a lot. Yeah. Um, there are other guys, Jordan Wright, who looks like he's going to be able to step up and make a difference on that offensive line. And I think that's really going to be the difference, the offensive line. It's going to be better with, in the run game, even though it was solid last year. I think it's going to be better this year. And they should be better in pass protection, which, again, alleviates stress on Letty Brown. So I don't know if he'll, he'll duplicate what he did last year, but I expect him to be very, very solid, beyond serviceable. Um, you might see Tony Mathis spelling him. A very sparrow has a chance to give him some uh, a reprieve, but I think Letty Brown's going to be your guy overwhelmingly. Now, in, in terms of the offensive line, like you were talking about, because, like, last year, I, I think it's best to put it that they were fairly inconsistent. It didn't seem like the offense from week to week really kind of knew what they were doing, and it almost seemed like the offensive line didn't really know what it was that they were doing. Was that a coaching issue? Was that, like, a youth issue? Like, what was it that, you know, really kind of got in their heads last year? Because it seemed like as the year went on that the offensive line – Normally it like coalesces, you know, and it has an identity. It, it, you, you you know what you're getting from that at the end of the year, even if it's like not very good because of talent wise. I, I don't know, looking back on what, what I saw of West Virginia, that they really kind of knew what was going on. Was that like a coaching issue? Was it just guys being inexperienced? And, and like, what have they done differently that you're aware of so far this year? Well, I think some of the issue is just guys getting used to being in that system. I mean, he's only in the around second year last year. Right. So still learning what you're doing, figuring out how you're going to do it, I think that was an issue. I think talent really was an issue on that line. Um, and I think that's been remedied because we've brought talent in. In recruiting, in transfers, I think that's going to be the difference this year. Uh, Matt Moore 
according to everything I hear and everything I've seen, is an excellent offensive line coach. Doug Nestor, who I mentioned earlier, said that he's learning techniques. He never learned at Virginia Tech in his two seasons there, um, which tells you that technique and, and fundamentals are really important to the staff, and they make a difference on game day. So I think that more than anything, it was – inexperienced and just getting used to the system they were playing in. Yeah. I, th I think what people don't realize is that probably the most important position coach on an entire staff is that offensive line coach, because the, the offense requires so much, um, you know, Oh, it, it, it requires good offensive line play. We saw that from like Kansas last year. We saw that from Baylor when they were, you know, absolutely atrocious at times. Like if your offensive line doesn't know what it's doing and isn't coherent and cohesive, you're, you're not going to be able to get anything going offensively. It's the one position because like even like defensive line, sure, if, if the opponent's offensive line is really blowing stuff up at the line of scrimmage, you can still bring extra help from linebacker. Like you can still do a lot of stuff to overcome that. If your offensive line doesn't work, your entire offense doesn't work, and then you got problems. So, um, yeah, I, I am, I am kind of curious, though, kind of how all this is going to come together. Um, you know, is there is there anyone else that we haven't talked about yet on the offense that you're expecting to to break out this year? No, I I will tell you that one curious statement made about Garrett Green, who's a backup dual threat type quarterback, was they they basically said they needed to get him in games, they needed to have him involved, and that struck me as interesting because they didn't use him that way last year, and I don't know if they have packages for him. Or if they're talking about splitting duties on some level, I know without without question, without a doubt, Jared Dagey is our QB one. Right. But I but I will be interested to see what they do with Garrett Green, who's shown flashes in games and moments that didn't really matter. That he's got a spark. He's got something that Dagey and uh, Goose Crowder don't have. Yeah, it it'll definitely be interesting to see what they do there because I, I do know that you know we've seen it be successful in certain packages. Um, for certain teams, but I think it's really difficult if you're forcing him in as like the the quarterback on certain packages. It gets really easy to pigeonhole exactly what's going to happen. So I, I'll be interested to see what happens there. I think it's more likely, you know, at least just thinking about it in a general sense, that they're going to try to find some way to have him on the field at the same time as Deggie. Um, but again, I, I don't know too much about the inner workings of how they want to do it. So they very well could have specific packages. And I think the, the most important thing, especially if, you know, if you're expecting him to have a breakout year, kind of like you're talking about him needing to get on the field, is that I, I, I just hope they don't do it in a situation where everybody knows what exactly it is he's trying to do. Like, you don't want him to be like in a run-only package or, you know, a package where he's definitely, you know, doing quick passes or something, because it's really easy to scheme around that. There's so many coaches that seem to think that they know how to do that and, and, and actually how to make it work, and yet it's way too easy. Like, if you know what's coming, that's half the battle in football is, is trying to make sure that the opponent doesn't know what you're doing so that way you can surprise them and actually, you know, take advantage of that. Because if the defense knows what's coming, unless you're just, you know, multiples more talent than they have, um, the defense really has, I think, every advantage in terms of trying to stop a play if they know exactly what the play is going to be. So, all right, let's, let's shift over to the defense. Normally I take a break about this time, but I want to talk about the defense because I think there's going to be a lot of interesting nuggets to talk about for the schedule. So, the defense obviously was the main advantage that the that West Virginia had last year. So many times where that defense just took over games and actually won games for them. Um, obviously, you know they don't have everybody back. So can you talk about who the who the big losses that you have are and who you're expecting to step up in their place? So we lose a consensus All American up front in Darius Stills now with the Raiders. We lose Tony Fields, our middle linebacker. 
Um, he's drafted by the by the Cleveland Browns. We lose Tyke Smith, an All-American type safety, to Georgia in a transfer. We lose we lost Dreshawn Miller to Auburn in a transfer. So that's a lot of productivity. Dang, that's a lot of productivity that's gone. The good news is they had depth on the defensive line. So a guy like Akeem Mesidor, who's a sophomore, who's really strong and really talented, and looks like he's transformed his body as well, is going to take up take the reins where Darius left off, and he'll have to try to reproduce some of that production. Uh, at the middle linebacker spot, we're looking at a guy like Josh Chandler Smito to pick up where Tony Fields left off. He's not as athletic as Tony Fields, but he knows both the will assignment and the and that middle assignment, uh, and he's a good backer. In the secondary, we've got good talent as far as the corner is concerned, but not much experience. So Jackie Matthews, Daryl Porter will be fighting it out on one side because Nick Troy Fortune has it locked down on his side as corner is concerned. In the with the safeties, Scotty Young is a name to remember. Scotty Young has looked excellent through the spring, the summer, and now fall camp, and the coaches can't stop talking about him. He's taking the place of Tyke Smith. He's not Tyke Smith. Tyke Smith it has the potential to be a first-round draft pick. Scott Young is not at that level yet, but he's longer and he's very talented. He's going to pick up the slack to some extent. Another nugget that I think is important for a lot of people who don't follow WVU sports is Kerry Martin Jr. played really well his freshman year. But he sat out last year because of COVID. He had sickle, so he didn't play because of the COVID pandemic. Um, he'll be back this year, and he's turning heads already in practice. So I think the defense is going to still be our strength. It's, it may not be uh, number one statistically like it was by some metrics and some valuations, but I think they have the chance to be a top 10 defense. I really believe in George Leslie, what he does, how he schemes, but it'll be interesting to see what we do without Jamal Day, that the safety, the defensive backs coach who went down to Georgia because they called the defense together last year. So now it's, it'll be a new dynamic. It'll be very interesting to see how that works, how they make it work. Yeah, I mean, so they definitely have some room to take a step back and still be a phenomenal elite defense. Um, just, I mean, because, yeah, again, I, I think that was kind of the one thing, and, and it's it's weird how many good defenses there are in the Big 12 that just get, get completely overlooked because nobody assumes that, you know, the, the Big 12 ever plays defense. But you have, you know, TCU, Iowa State, West Virginia, and even to some extent Oklahoma State, I thought were all really, really good defenses last year, and Oklahoma was making huge strides. So, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that West Virginia still has all the pieces to, to be one of the better ones. But like you said, it's just, I, I'm very curious how it's all going to shake out because they are replacing so much. You know, they have so many things that are different. And going to be completely honest, with, without Darius Stills on that defensive line, don't really know who's going to step up. I, I don't know that there's going to be one person that can just, you know, take over for that. Uh, and, and he's not the only guy that's gone from there. So it'll be interesting to see who is able to step up. They're going to have to have some people step up early. Who who do you think, in terms of a name that people don't know, um, or even, I mean, it, it, it may be someone that you've already mentioned, or it may be someone else entirely, but who do you think is a good candidate to have a breakout year this year on, on the defense for West Virginia? Well, Dante Stills is a four-star. He's Darius's brother. He's been predicted to be first-team all Big 12. Everybody knows about him. I think he's going to do well. But the guy I want you to remember, if he stays healthy, which he struggled with, is a bandit transfer from Alabama named Vendarius Cohen, number eight. He's a missile. He's a man. If you don't know him, you will soon. 
Van Darius Cohen, remember that name. Yeah, definitely will. I mean, I, I see him here on there. You're right. Yeah. Um, dang, that's going to be interesting to kind of see what he does. Um, so in terms of position group, though, um, on the defense, like what the strength's going to be, because I, you know, I've, I've noticed going through all the other big 12 teams that each of them has one position group that is far and away the best one on their defense. It is probably going to anchor their defense. And I think it's going to have a huge effect on how they actually play defense and how you can attack them. Um, you know, for example, like Kansas, it's going to be really good in the secondary. The weakness is probably still the linebackers until you actually, you know, show that they can, they, they can man the middle of the field there. What is that one area for uh, on the defense for West Virginia that's really going to anchor this defense this year and is going to be really, really hard to attack them in? It's going to be the defensive line again. It really is. They, they're, the thing about the defensive line is they get Taj uh, Austin back. I almost called him Taj Boyd. They get Taj Austin <laughs> back, who was injured last year. Taj Austin is very good. Dante is bigger and seems to be faster, and he has something to prove. Watching his brother get all the accolades last year, even though he came in as the higher-rated guy, it's going to be a big deal. Akeem Mesidor is only going to go up. He was a, he was a freshman last year, and he played extremely well for us in spelling Darius and, and other things. So he's going to be a break. Not I don't know that you can call him a breakout star if you're a Mountaineer fan, but maybe for the conference, people are going to know that name. I think without question, it would be the defensive line anchoring this defense, which is what you want. Right, right. I mean, yeah, they say that, you know, games are won in the trenches on both the offense and the defense. Um, you know, I, I definitely think, especially in the in the age of, you know, over-the-top passing plays, that unless you're you're getting immediate pressure, that there is at least some possibility to overcome a dominant defensive line. But, you know, West Virginia, that's what they were known for last year was that defensive line. Um, you know, it was really hard to get anything going with them or going against them when with both the stills brothers in there so I, I am definitely interested to kind of see how that all comes together it sounds like they are reloading at the offensive or at the defensive line instead of instead of really having to rebuild anything so it'll be interesting to kind of see just how good that unit is for them this this year coming up all right anything else that we need to know about this defense before we switch on over to the schedule Nothing off the top of my head. All right, perfect. Well, we are going to go ahead and get over to the schedule, but before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Talk Podcast. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother, Jeremy J. N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, any place. Get at your boys. And we're back. All right. So here with Brandon Phoenix of the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. Brandon, uh, we've already talked about offense and defense. Let's let's switch over to the schedule real quick. Actually, before we do that, anything about the special teams that we need to know? Because, you know, they had a pretty good returner last year. What what do you what is your overall feeling about the unit in terms of, you know, I mean, any any part of the special teams, but we've actually seen so many big games in the Big 12 that have been swayed by a, a clutch return at, at, you know, at a specific time. So so what is that unit looking like for West Virginia for this year? Well, I mentioned Winston Wright already for the Paul Horning watch list. He's back and I think he'll do really well in our return game kicks and punts um, and they're trying different guys in that position, but Winston Wright is a constant so far. And I think, I think he's going to be really, really good in that, in that position. I, if you can't tell, like, I think a lot of Winston Wright. Um, as far as our kicking goes, we get our kicker back, Evan Staley, who had a knee injury last year, but he's still got a brace on. 
and he seems like he's struggling a little bit right now through fall camp. Like he's not necessarily ready to play at a level that you need to play in the Big 12. Um, Tyler Sumter's been excellent with his directional punting, but he's not. <clears throat> he hasn't blown anybody away with his leg strength yet. So it's hard to tell, but the special teams has a little ways to go, it sounds like. Yeah, it's also kind of weird. Like, I'm looking at the roster, and you guys have seven place kickers on the roster. Like, what's what's going on there? Why do you have so many kickers? I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. But competition breeds success, so hopefully that's what they're doing. Right. This, this like, reeks to me of let's throw a whole bunch of guys and see who, you, you know, who actually comes out there. So that is one of the, one of the advantages of playing in college is that, you know, you, you can have the ability to carry that many people. I'm wondering how many of these guys are walk-ons as opposed to scholarship players. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was just weird to see seven different place kickers on the roster here. So, um, all right, so let's jump over to the schedule. Um, you know, there's a lot going on this year. Uh, finally full non-conference schedules again. You know, there's there's potentially two big ones. I am curious, which one of these games do you think is the biggest? The game at Maryland to open the season or the game at home against Virginia Tech in week three? That's a really good question. Typically, the Maryland game in our rivalry, however you would define that with us in Maryland, I think we've played 48 times. West Virginia holds the lead, just in case anybody was wondering. That has been the barometer for the season we're going to have. If right. we play well against Maryland, we usually are going to be a pretty good team. So that's a good good marker for what we're going to do and an excellent starting point if we do well. But there's no way any of those games are bigger than Virginia Tech, where the battle for the Black Diamond Trophy. They, we, play, we play Virginia Tech at home. Unfortunately, it's a noon game. Oklahoma, we feel your pain. <laughs> but that game is going to mean a lot for us. It's bragging rights. The Black Diamond Trophy has been in Virginia Tech, has been in Blacksburg for way too long. And Doug Nestor, the transfer, is from Virginia Tech. And one of the coaches took some jabs at him on Twitter. And Doug did not shy away. He responded with not necessarily jabs, but definitely a response, like laughing emojis, I believe it was, or maybe shaking my head, something like that. So there's a little bit of bad blood there over above and beyond what you're typically going to experience in that, in that Black Diamond Trophy game. So if I had to put my feet to the fire and make a decision, I'm going to say Virginia Tech's more important than any of them. Yeah, so I am curious because it it seems like you guys have so many different rivalry games. Um, you know who who is your guys' biggest rival, especially like non conference? Because I mean, to be honest, you guys don't have really have a, a rival in conference. So if if we're looking at rivalry games for you guys, which one is kind of like the biggest one? It's Pitt. Okay, I I, I kind of figured that that's what it was, but. You also don't really play Pitt very often for whatever reason anymore. Pitt. We haven't played Pitt in way too long. I think we play them in 2023, I think, is when we play them again. Um, but we played that – that game's been played over 100 years. Right. And that game means everything to us. It's, it's like a miniature version of Ohio State-Michigan. Like, we can ruin their season, they can ruin our season, or it can matter. You know, it's up to us who's going to get – that big bowl bid or win the conference championship. And it's only 70 miles apart. And then especially after what happened uh, with Pat White's season, you know, in 2007, I won't speak of it. I'll just leave it at right. that. It's just a taste in our mouth. I remember growing up, I would see beat pit signs and I never understood beat pit. And, and I didn't live in Morgantown. I lived in another town about three hours away or two, two hours away. Um, and I would see signs saying beat Pitt, and I didn't understand. Until 2007, it never meant as much to me as it did to everyone else. And the other thing about that is I, I would rank it, for me, it goes Pitt, Virginia Tech, 
Maryland. If you live in the northern part of the state, uh, if you live in maybe even the central part of the state, it's Pitt. The eastern part, southern part, a lot of those guys for them is Virginia Tech. Which makes Maryland, sense. It's a, Maryland's a border rival, um, and they had a span where they whipped us pretty good uh, for a few years. And so they left a taste in their mouth where they are also a rival, but to a lesser extent. So, yeah, so I, I was a little bit surprised with your answer about the Virginia Tech game being more worth or, you know, a bigger deal only because I was sitting there thinking, well, West Virginia does, doesn't want to become, you know, the next Texas getting beat by Maryland at the very beginning of the year. But I did kind of forget you guys kind of have a rivalry going with them. So that obviously makes it a little bit bigger anyway. Um, so of, of those three games, like obviously no offense to Long Island University, but I don't think anyone's worried about that game at all. That one should be an easy win. If it's not, then we've got much bigger things to deal with than, you know, talking about the rest of the Big 12 Conference. Um, the game at, so like of those three non-conference games, which ones of those are you actually planning on? Like, do you think that West Virginia is most likely going to win? So, so like, what, what do you expect your guys' record to be going into conference play? We're two and a half point favorites at Palace Park already. So I fully expect it to be three and oh, because Virginia Tech is a dumpster fire right now. They lost, I think, 25 players to transfers. Justin Fuentes on the hot seat. Um, I I really think they're in shambles. I don't think they're in a good place. We And they owe us a trophy. So I right. really think we win that game. And it's in Morgantown, so that helps again. LIU, like you said, should be nothing but a chance to get some backups, some reps. Um, and Mar- Vegas has his favorite at Maryland for that first game. Barring any injuries, I think we win all three of those games, which we've done pretty well non-conference over the last couple of years. Yeah, I was, I was to say, we don't have to worry about West Virginia holding up their end of the bargain in terms of repping the Big 12 and making the Big 12 look good, unlike um, some other teams that we'll talk about later. So, uh, okay, so so getting into conference play, opening up the conference season at Oklahoma. You guys didn't get an opportunity to play Oklahoma last year, got canceled twice because of COVID. Um, so how, how big is this game, and like how hyped are you for the opportunity, especially after all the realignment news coming out, for that first game to be Oklahoma? SEC, SEC. <laughs> I can't wait to play that game. If we somehow are able to, to upset them, the whole crowd will chant that. And all the Mountaineer fans will chant that. I was going to say, hopefully it'll be super loud in you know Oklahoma Stadium there. Since it is on the road, I'm, I'm hoping you guys can have enough there so that if you do upset them, that we'll actually be able to hear it on the television broadcast because that would be fantastic. We usually, have, we usually have a good contingent that travels. I'm thinking about going to that game personally. The – the thing I'll say is some people were like, you'd rather get Oklahoma later in the season. And I don't agree. I think it's better to get them early in the season. Kansas state has been successful with that. Um, and I think it's a big game for us, not only because they're leaving for the sec, but we've not beaten them in conference play. And this may be the last time we play them in conference play. So the players are going to have a chip on their shoulder, something they really want, especially the guys, the seniors who've been there and have experienced all the whippings that they've given to us. Some games have been close. Most, a lot of them have not, so uh, that'll be a big game for us emotionally. Yeah, I think it's also going to be a little different too because, you know, Oklahoma is used to getting all the hate of being, you know, the top team in the conference, the one that everyone wants to try to beat to try to make their season. What they're, I don't think they're going to be prepared for is just how much over the top it's going to be because of all this SEC news that's coming out. Um, you know, yeah, they're, they're going to be ready for everyone giving them their best shot, but I don't think they're going to be quite ready for how ferocious it's actually going to be 
And that West Virginia defense, I think, is going to give them hell. The question, of course, is going to be if the offense can do enough to take a little bit of pressure off the defense so that they don't have to do it the entire time. I, I do think that West Virginia is going to have a good opportunity in this game. Oklahoma is a really good team. Like anybody who's actually telling you that they're, you know, picking that game is either a really, really big homer or, um, you know, is is kind of diluted at this point. Like looking at it objectively, it's hard to see how West Virginia wins that game. But I have seen a lot weirder stuff. You know, Kansas State going down there and beating and beating Oklahoma a few years ago was was absolutely fantastic. So we'll we'll have to see if West Virginia can do it. I know that I'm going to be rooting for for every Big 12 school when they play Oklahoma and Texas, especially Texas, but but both of those teams. So I am rooting I'd for like it. Say, I sure hope it happens. Go ahead. I would like to say I, I am not predicting a win there. Is right, like, right. I'm not predicting we go into Norman, we go and play them at the Palace and win. I would just love it if we could. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, right, right. Well, that's, that's kind of like me. I keep jokingly saying that Kansas is going to beat Texas this year uh, down in Austin because it's going to happen at some point. It's like, do I really expect that to happen? Probably not. Am I absolutely here for it and going to hammer it because I've been hammering that home for two years now? Uh, yes, yes, I, I will definitely do that until it doesn't happen. So actually, Philip, Philip and I had a, a standing bet on the 1012 podcast last year um, that was going to be related to that, uh, except Texas, like Oklahoma dodged West Virginia twice last year, Texas dodged Kansas twice last year. So uh, yeah. unfortunately, that wasn't able to happen. We weren't able to get that to pay off, but I'm definitely looking forward to this year. And I, I really do hope that West Virginia pulls that off against Oklahoma. It gets a little bit easier after that. Next three games, uh, against Texas Tech at Baylor and then at TCU, um, you know that TCU game is after the bye. So, so actually, let's let's talk about Texas Tech and Baylor first. Those two games, I mean, I'm having a hard time thinking that those are going to be that difficult for West Virginia, other than the fact that it's conference play. You never know who's actually going to jump up. What are you expecting out of those games? Well, we get Texas Tech at home, right? Which is going to be big. That's a big deal. Again, our crowd rocks. And we all remember what happened last year. They beat us, but we should have won that game. We were favored. Yeah. We had opportunities. Uh, we just blew it. And a lot of it came down to receivers dropping balls again. So I think we'll have a little tip on our shoulder for that game too because we remember how it went down last year. Uh, I expect us to win that game. Um, I really do. I'm not, I'm not worried about Texas Tech other than what you said. A conference game is a conference game. You can never look past it. Baylor, the same thing. I, I think we beat Baylor. Uh, I think we have a good chance starting out five. Uh, well, I'll wait. I'll wait till we get to the next one. But I think we have a good chance of starting out five and up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, five and oh, sorry, zero. Five and one. Five Whoa. and one. Oh, oh, yeah. Right, right. With with Oklahoma there, you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think five and one is probably the most likely. You know, I, I've heard some people trying to start talking up Baylor, but I'm having a hard time seeing it, even with you know the the video of Dave Aranda just going absolutely ballistic and it's you know seeming to be really good at getting them motivated for camp this year. Baylor had a lot of problems last year. I don't know how well they're going to be able to carry stuff forward and get stuff fixed. So um so so jumping ahead to the next three games, I think this is the most critical stretch of the season for West Virginia. You know, right after the bye, which is probably at the perfect time for you guys considering how how the season ends out. Uh, you go to TCU, then have Iowa State coming in the night before Halloween. Uh, and then have Oklahoma State coming in the week after. So, like, how big is that stretch? And which one of those three games, assuming that these are, you know, the the toughest games not playing Oklahoma on the schedule, which one of those three games do you think is your guys' best opportunity to get a win? I 
we play, say that again, TCU. At TCU, home against Iowa State, home against Oklahoma State. That's right. So I see us, I see us beating TCU, but those games are always weird for us. We always right. have closed games with TCU. But I see us winning that game. We have struggled to beat um, Oklahoma State. We've struggled with them. And it's been, I think, four years since we've beaten them. I like what Gundy does over there in Stillwater. So I won't be terribly depressed if we lose that game. Iowa State is interesting because we owe them. We owe them like we owe a couple of other teams. With Will Greer senior year, with David Sales and Gary Jennings and all those guys, we had a lead that should have that should have been salted away, should have salted the game away, and we didn't do it. I think the guys on the team who were there for that will remember that. And especially get to Morgantown right before Halloween, that crowd's going to be rocking. I think we can sneak out a win there. So, right. So uh, then that that Oklahoma State. So so of those three games, like which ones do you think that they're actually going to win, which would put their record at what coming into the final stretch? I think we win TCU. I think we lose to Iowa State. Fair. And I think I think we lose to Oklahoma State. Okay, which, I mean, looking at it now, that's probably the best bet if you're, like, betting based off the information that, that's here at this point. What I will say, though, about those games, uh, you know, especially the later we get in the schedule, like, right now, that one's a toss-up. I do think that we're going to find out a lot about both of these teams pretty quickly. Sorry, that one being West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Um, you know, we're, we're, I think we're going to find out a lot about these teams pretty early in the season, and that could look completely different. But, you know, as it stands right now, like, I think that West Virginia – could finish anywhere from third in the conference to all the way down to seventh, just depending on how all these other teams are developing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that those are toss-up games. Uh, it'll be really interesting to kind of see how that how that happens there. But yeah, I don't know that I have much to add to that one because, I, again, I don't I don't know what most of these teams are going to look like. Like, I could see Oklahoma State being really good. I could see them falling off, having some offensive line issues. Like, there could be all kinds of problems. So, um, all right, let's let's get to the final three. Um, you know, the game at Kansas state on the 13th, then on the 20th, uh, you guys play at home against Texas and then finishing up the game or the season at Kansas. We'll talk about that Kansas game at the very end. Um, the, the Kansas state game, that is a weird one to me, not only because, you know, I'm not really sure what to think about Kansas state with all the stuff that they have and, and Skylar Thompson coming back, but, you know, looking back on the history of this matchup, I don't really know what to expect. Like I never, I always go into these games between West Virginia and Kansas state thinking that I know what's going on with these teams, even like the week before. And that game is so completely different than all my expectations. Like what is it about playing West or playing Kansas state that it just makes those games weird? I don't know. For a long time, I just blamed it on that old guy who was always coaching them the victories they shouldn't have gotten. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But he's gone and their, the, their coaching staff has done an excellent job. In some games, they just have they don't have the consistency yet. You know, they can beat Oklahoma, but then they lose to nobodies. So I don't really know what to think either. And I can't really tell you why we struggle with them. I know Dana Holgerson really had had trouble playing against Kansas State. It took him forever to get a win. Um, I think Neil Brown has a better handle on how to play them. And I think we win that game. Yeah, I mean, West Virginia's beat them the last two seasons with, with Neil Brown at the helm. So it, he, he definitely you know, has some general idea of, of how to handle them. I, I do think kind of to your point that 
Kleiman is is actually, I think, somewhat similar to the way that Bill Snyder used to do it, but not quite there. Like, he is still making tweaks to that system, still trying to figure out exactly how he wants to do it. Kansas State usually is just kind of a weird team anyway. Um, I think stylistically they're a lot different than most of the other teams in the Big 12. So it's kind of hard to get a handle on them unless unless you just naturally are like set up to, to counter what it is that they do. So that'll be really interesting. So, But let's get to what is probably the biggest conference game circled on the schedule for you guys, and it, as it probably is for everybody. Um, that game, that second to last game of the season, welcoming Texas in for what hopefully is a nice big whooping. Um, that game, is that the biggest game for you guys on the conference schedule? Like that's the one you're looking the most forward to? I would say for the fans, it probably is. We're five and five with them so far in conference since, we, since we've been in conference with them. Um, and West Virginia just loved to do horns down ever since that game that we got penalized 8 million times for. To be fair, everybody loves to do horns down, but it seems like West Virginia yeah. relishes it, at least the players especially. Well, it didn't be. It never became a controversial penalty until we did it. Till David Sills did it. Till Will Greer did it. Then it became controversial. It became a real issue. So you're right. Like everybody loves it, but we have a special place in our hearts for it. Um, Fair. I was at a sports bar in Morgantown. I noticed they had the pennants of all the teams up, and Texas was right side up. So I remedied that as fast as I could. <laughs> of course, and it is now horned down. But um, so it's hard to say that or Oklahoma because we haven't been Oklahoma in conference. Both of those games are circling. It's real, it'd be a toss-up, and I would guess the coaching staff prefers to beat Oklahoma if they had to choose one. For me, it's the Texas game. Um, I don't hate them as much now that Tom Herman and Sam Ellinger are gone. I never hated Texas, really, except for those two guys. I didn't like those two guys. They're bozos. They're clowns. And I really had no place for them. I like Sark. I like B. John Robinson. Uh, I think Texas is – I think I know that they have way more talent than they've produced as far as wins are concerned so i think that'll be a tough game and i think that's the difference between eight and four and nine and three for us whether we win that game or not having it at home is very nice um but i'm really not sure if i had to guess i'm gonna say we win that game yeah to be honest i'm not convinced that texas is going to be as good as a lot of people seem to think and part of it too is like you talked about texas's talent typically is much better than the way that they actually perform on the field and I think a lot of that has to do with the coaches that they've had. Charlie Strong didn't really do much with that with that Texas team. And Tom Herman was a lot of bluster, but you know, wasn't really able to kind of turn all that confidence into something, like focus the team and actually turn it into something on the field. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely interested to see how Sark does at Texas. But, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's going to take a little while, I think, for him. You know, it, it's definitely helpful that it's his first year. It doesn't help that it's at the end of the year. So, you know, if things start to take on pretty quick – then West Virginia is going to have a handful because Texas does have a lot of talent there. Um, but, you know, what we're going to see here, because Texas's biggest issue typically has been durability of their players, um, especially recently. Um, you know, I don't know how much of that is individual players themselves, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have several key guys that are injured by the end of the year and they're kind of limping to the finish line, which, which should help West Virginia in this game. Um, I do think that, that Texas is probably going to lose this game to West Virginia as well. Um, so I am really interested to kind of see how all that works out. But hopefully it's the case where we are talking about, you know, Texas losing that game. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be uh, upset if, if Texas, you know, lost their last four or five games in the conference. So I, I'd be absolutely ecstatic. With or that. all of them. Well, yeah, all of them for sure. I mean, th they're going to get at least one or two wins, okay, like in conference. 
hopefully we can limit it to like one or two wins and you know Kansas can go down and upset Texas and then we can all laugh about that so it'll be absolutely fantastic so I'm really my brother and I talked about this I'm curious about what kind of treatment they're going to get from the officials because a lot of people say they've gotten any of the close calls they've been able to get over the last decade Oklahoma and Texas alike I'm curious to see what the response will be from the officials this season I know they're supposed to be objective but I'm just curious yeah, it's one of those things. I don't know that I've ever really bought into the narratives about, you know, the Big 12 office favoring and, 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 and then the officials by proxy favoring specific teams with a very few exceptions. For example, that Texas uh, penalty against Kansas, you know, it was, I forget which year it was, but the dollar signs game that was up in Lawrence. Like, there have been some clear instances where it's like, no, wait a minute. There's absolutely no way that that call and, and, and Texas actually benefited from several calls against Oklahoma State last year. So, like, I, I think it's going to be less of a well, no, I, I take that back. I, I don't know that there's going to be any kind of pattern. It seems to happen with Texas and Oklahoma, but that might be some sort of confirmation bias. But what what we generally know is that Big 12 refs are horrid. They're they're horrible. Um, they're extremely inconsistent. I don't know that I think that they're. Uh, coordinated or, or smart enough to really do a conspiracy one way or another to either help or hurt any of these particular teams. So I, I don't know that I'm going to, that we're going to see anything different. I think what's probably going to happen is that Texas is going to get some very favorable calls, um, especially when they're at home and everyone's going to talk about, man, why, why aren't the refs, you know, helping out the rest of us? Like, you know, they're leaving the big 12. It's like, it, that's, I think that's most of us kind of just making that stuff up, but it'll be interesting to see. It'll be so, so much fun to talk about. I would, absolutely love to just complain about whatever calls Texas gets. So, I mean, I'd be happy if they decided to go ahead and have everybody, um, you know, just call really bad games against Texas and Oklahoma. I'd be all for it. So, but all right. So let's uh, jump ahead to the final game of the season, going on the road to Lawrence to play Kansas. Um, You know, last year was a, was a really, really weird game, super defensive. Uh, Kansas was in that game in Morgantown until like the very end, pretty much when they finally just ran out of gas. Um, it was a super defensive affair that was just weird all around. I was sitting there watching at home. I was like, there's absolutely no way that this, you know, goes after the half and Kansas keeps it close. And the end, and then they did until, you know, midway through the third quarter. So what, what are you, what are you expecting from this game? Like, is this weird that it's at the very end of the season? So you have no idea what's going to happen there. Uh, or like, is there something, at all that worries you about playing this game at the very end of the season? Well, the coaching staff, anytime you have changes, you know, it makes you, makes you worry or wonder about what's going to be rolled out. So for sure, going to Lawrence is going to be an interesting time. Um, I'm not worried about our depth because we have a very deep team. So by the end of the year, even with injuries, we should be okay. Uh, I would think to play Kansas and Lawrence. Um, I really don't know what to expect because, like you said, there's been ups and downs against Kansas for us. Most of the time we win, but it's not always by the margin that is anticipated. Um, right. But my heart and my head both say we win that game by two touchdowns. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's one of those things where it's either going to be you guys are going to blow them out by, say, 35 because things just haven't worked and you know they're all beat up and, and you know they're still – easily a lot of work that they need to do to, to kind of get the program the rest of the way turned around. But I could also see, you know, because they're going to have quite a bit of time with Leipold to kind of work in the system. 
you know, his, his system is usually fairly forgiving for working in new people. Um, you know, he brought a bunch of guys over from Buffalo. So they have a jump start on getting the culture and getting everything like where they need to be all the consistency. They have the staff, like everything is set up perfectly that if Kansas were to make a big jump forward, all the conditions are right. That it's at least a possibility. The question becomes how far forward do they jump and how close are they able to make it for, you know, for, for the rest of these games? Like I wouldn't be surprised to see Kansas being in every single game, you know, like the final four or five games, keeping all of those within two scores. Like I, I could see that being a possibility, even though I think they're probably going to lose all of those. I definitely think that there's a good possibility that they could get some, some nice wins early to build that confidence and keep building. And even though the margin will start to get more and more, you know, as the end of the season comes along, they're playing better and better teams at the end of the season. And so it's one of those things where, you know, we, we could have both, teams feeling real good like West Virginia getting that win to get to like a nine and three season or something like that um, or even potentially better depending on, on how things break for them you know and Kansas feeling really good about the fact that you know barring a late touchdown they would have kept it within a touchdown at the end of the season like I, I think that there's a lot of room for both teams to come out of this game particularly happy you know especially if obviously Kansas is able to keep it close but West Virginia is able to ultimately get the win. Yeah, I, you, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. You know a lot more about that program than I do in Leopold. You know a lot more about him than I do. Um, but it makes a lot of sense. I, I just – I anticipate West Virginia makes a leap forward. The over-under, I think, in Vegas is six and a half wins for us. Which seems kind of crazy to me. Yeah, it's crazy to me as well. And I, and I don't – you know, we didn't get – we received four votes, I believe, in the, for the AP poll which is, again, crazy to me. Virginia Tech and Pitt both got more votes than we did. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on what West Virginia can do. But what I hope is that it works as motivation. Yeah, One for sure. One thing that my, brothers, my brother and I talked about, um, you know, before I came on here, is even though the receivers spent the whole year dropping the ball, the last three games they didn't, including against Army in that bowl game. I think that's a, that's a, I think that's a good sign for what we might see this year. And if they're on and everything opens up for Letty Brown, things are a lot easy, easier for Jared Daigie, uh, and the defense also gets to rest a lot more. Yeah, I mean, that that's going to be key for them this year is making sure that the offense can keep them off the field long enough that they can maintain that intensity for the entire game. Because, um, I mean, that's really, you know, where, where they had problems last year. Um, they, they really kind of faded down the stretch in terms of the end of games because they were just on the field forever. And, like, Kansas fans know that really well. The years that we had really good defenses that looked absolutely atrocious because, you know, you get to the third quarter and they've been on the field for 20 minutes out of the 25 minutes that have been played so far. And it's just like they're all gassed and they can't do anything and then the opponent runs up all the, you know, yards and everything on them. So, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that West Virginia is poised to take a step forward. So, uh, so it sounds like from where we're talking that you're expecting a nine and three season from uh, from from West Virginia this year, which should get them to a really really good bowl. So to to kind of wrap up our conversation here, is there anything else about this West Virginia team that you think us as Kansas fans need to know to really understand what it is that West Virginia is going to be doing this year? No, I mean we've covered pretty much everything. I think we're going to have a balanced offense, a solid defense. Uh, and I think we're going to have a team that doesn't make as many mistakes as you might have seen under a Dana Holgerson team. Penalties, uh, turnovers. I really think that's what you're going to see. A lot more discipline, a lot more focus, a lot more cohesion uh, for the offense. So, I mean, that's really it. And, yeah, I mean, that's really it. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know what? We'll just leave them with the final thought then of uh, horns down 
absolutely fantastic. So, <laughs> Brandon, thank you so much for joining me. It's absolutely fantastic having you guys on the network now. But where where can everybody find your work online? So we are Raspy Voice Kids everywhere on on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. It's just Raspy Voice Kids. I am I also hate Pit. That's my nickname. In case you don't know anything else about me, you need to know that I also hate Pit. <laughs> It's spelled just like it said. Um, my brother is J-N Fien, J-N-P-H-E-E-N. And he's the same thing on Instagram as he is on Twitter. You can find us anywhere. You can check out our podcast on all major platforms. Awesome. I do have to ask before we get out of here, what what is it behind the name? Because that's a really interesting name. I would not have immediately you know associated that with West Virginia. But where did you guys get your name from? Well, I also hate Pitt or Raspy No, no, Kids. Raspy Voice Kids, yeah. So when we were kids, we had these scratchy, raspy voices. And these our friends called us behind our back, the raspy voice kids. <laughs> and we didn't know they called us that. But when we found out later on, we thought it was funny, of course. And when we were thinking of a podcast name, we wanted something that was different, that was unique, but that also could expand beyond just West Virginia sports. Because we are looking, we would like to grow. We want to do more than just West Virginia sports. And we have, we've done some interviews with people. Like tomorrow, my brother's interviewing one of the team moms from MTV show, Team Mom. Uh, nice. We're going to have her on. Uh, we've had people from different walks of life on. We do a pop culture segment to start each one of our shows. So we don't start with sports. The first one is, is Lion King versus Toy Story, and then we debate it. Or what's the best pop chart? We debate it. That is awesome. Um, we do that. That way, no matter what you like, whether you like sports or you don't, you can tune into our show. So that's why we went with Raspy Boys Kids. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I had always kind of wondered that when I was listening to you guys before we even had you guys on the network, but it's absolutely fantastic work with you guys now. So, all right, that is going to do it for us today. Brandon, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please go out wherever you get your podcast, which is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can uh, subscribe to us there so you get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, would absolutely love that. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Uh, you know, now that we're on the anchor platform, you can actually leave us a voicemail, get your voice on the show. We actually have one that, that's coming up next week uh, with our first episode of next week. So it's absolutely hilarious. You're, you are, are going to love it. But just go to anchor.fm slash rock dash chalk dash podcast slash message and we can get you on the show. Uh, absolutely love being here on the 1012 network. If you, you know, you, you, you can find every single show, including this one and the Raspy Voice Kids. Over on the network, there's an Apple Podcast uh, Network page. Also, you can go to Twitter at 1012network. That's T-E-N-1-2-network. But that's going to do it for us today. Brandon, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.